This week on Trek Mary Kill. Cardi's Miles Guilty. Next. Imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. Would you care to make a confession? In a world where truth means nothing. What am I being charged with? No need to worry about that. And even an innocent man. Your husband's verdict has already been determined. Can be found guilty. His execution is scheduled for next week. O'Brien is on trial for his life. I am not guilty. I have committed no crime. The sentence is death. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Trek, Mary, Kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a Star Trek podcast that judges every episode guilty of being Star Trek. <laughs> Our Trials of Season 2 theme month continues with Tribunal from Deep Space Nine's second season. It's the penultimate episode of, of DS9's second season, and it debuted in syndication June 5th, 1994, written by Bill Dial. And I'll have a story about him later. And it was directed by Avery Brooks. His directorial debut, in fact. Uh, Memory Alpha describes it. When Cardassians arrest Miles O'Brien for working with the Maquis, he's put on a Cardassian trial where the verdict is known before the trial begins. Guilty. (sighs) This is one of those, definitely one of those O'Brien must suffer episodes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And boy, uh, and did he ever. He sure does. Uh, I like to ask, do you remember the first time you saw this episode? But before I do that, something we didn't like talk about very much in our first episode, because I was just going off on a whole, how could Measure of a Man not have been in that top five for the for next gen? But sort of the idea of like, what, how are courts represented in drama? And it's not like I expect Star Trek to mirror one-to-one, but you know, this is, the trials of season two, how is the law examined? And what Star Trek has always been good at is showing an alien uh, culture as sort of like a mirror or reflection of some aspect of human culture. And so I'm kind of really taken by the Cardassian angle here about what the court system and the law, like the criminal justice system is all about. I was very surprised by how modern and resonant this episode was on the court side of things. Unlike last week, where in Ad Astra Paraspera, the sort of solve for the episode's problem is that Nira uses the uniform code to quote unquote prove that Captain Pike technically granted number one asylum. In that case, she's arguing in an ostensibly human court that's supposed to reflect or be comparable to our current modern Western values legally or morally. And I feel like the episode actually misses the mark there, or at least presents an inversion of the idea that Star Trek uses alien culture to comment on some flawed or darker aspect of humanity. That inversion being that it's using human culture to present an idealized version of what human culture should be now. I mean, there was a recent Supreme Court decision in the United States that said that the right to remain silent is a right that can only be granted if a person speaks to invoke it, which is a silly notion but now the understood legal ruling of the land. So Nira's, aha, what Pike did was grant Una asylum doesn't actually comport with our own values today. And and it's kind of like actually closer to science fiction. Ah, It's just weird and sad. But now I feel like we're firmly in the realm of wishing how things were. And in this episode, I think we're wishing that things could be resolved as easily as they are in this one. Mm -hmm. 
So in this one, people are guilty uh, and not until proven innocent. They're just guilty. Yeah. Because by the time you get to a trial, it's all been decided with the idea that uh, Cardassians are so good at investigating that if you are innocent, that would get figured out in the investigation. Yeah. But I, I, think I do want to okay. point out something that in Japan, they have something like a 95% conviction rate. So it's very similar. <laughs> And in that situation, it's what? Like, well, you're only going to trial once we have all the evidence. No, no. They strong arm people into. Uh, yeah. No. No. You think you think there's a cop, a group of cops on Earth that 95 percent of the time get it right? No. And see how. Remember, you weren't sure how I was going to get into this. Well, here we go. That's an interesting point you raised, Kristen, about the police, <laughs> cops. <laughs> Usually most people's um, way of interfacing with the law or the criminal justice system, for whatever reason, uh, it's certainly the most visual aspect of the law, right? Uh, outside of street signs are the police. Mm -hmm. Like that's the sign that laws are around. Uh, I think I'm going to just use this platform to mention, uh, go watch the YouTube video, uh, don't talk to the police. Yeah. There's really no reason to talk to the police. Like, if, have you ever been the victim of a crime, Brian, where you called the police or you witnessed a crime and you called the police? Th my life has been threatened. And uh, I have a, like, and it, I had a strong belief that I and someone else, our lives were in immediate danger. And we called the police. And what did they, what was the response, Brian, from our boys in blue? And I and this was like, we know who it is. We have a phone number. We have an address. They were like, until anything happens, we, there's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. My car was stolen. And they're like, we might get around to it. And it was the only car stolen in that city that whole year. Holy shit. They had a very low crime rate. So what the f*** were they doing? I don't know. My dad literally had to like lean on someone with connections to get them to take a police report. Which, by the way, you need if you want to make an insurance claim. I've witnessed crimes and said, hey, it's happening right now. And uh, this person's a fugitive, by the way. They showed up, checked. Sure enough, person had a lot of warrants out. Did they arrest them? No. Some people who are listening and are frothing angry right now might think this has something to do with any modern movements that I don't need to name because this advice predates all yeah, that. No, this they've been useless for a long time. Like, if you need them... They're nowhere to be found. However, mm -hmm. you got a taillight out. Oh, they're Johnny on the spot and you're going to get a ticket for it. Yeah. Now, I'm sure we can all cite positive interactions and all that and instances where they've been helpful and maybe depending on where you live and. Yeah, well, I, well, I used to be. Well, I still am a, a white woman, but I, was, I used to be a pretty young white woman. So I've had many pleasant interactions with the police. Now, why am I saying all this? Yeah. <laughs> because Chief O'Brien lowers the shields and says, we'll just deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be fine. And this episode is like he gets arrested because, well, the first of all, the Cardassians arrest him like outside of their jurisdiction. And they mm -hmm. just simply like they have no reason for detaining him or stopping him. They're it's not even in Cardassian space. And it's simply like we have a warship and we'll just fire our phasers like, at you. Like if... <laughs> For instance, the California Highway Patrol uh, pulls you over on just a regular city street. And they're like, hey, can we search your car? No. 
No, yeah. you cannot. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to call someone, you know, whose jurisdiction this is, I'll talk to them. By which mean I will say, I no, you cannot search my car. So it's in that spirit. We're going to talk about this yeah. episode where O'Brien is railroaded because that's part of the Cardassian legal system. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I saw this episode, uh, you know, I was like, this kind of talky. Chief O'Brien's not tortured, but is given the county jail treatment where he's stripped down and Well, they take a tooth from him. And I think like under the Geneva Convention, we would consider that torture. Like extracting a right. tooth with no anesthesia, even even under the guise yeah. of like identification. And so we get all that, and the Cardassians are brutal, and we're not supposed to like the Cardassians. They are no. they are uh, an evil race. They're the bad guys for sure. Um, but the other part of this episode to talk about um, is really tough. I really wasn't sure how to actually approach this. The Maquis storyline that runs through, you know, starts in the next generation and runs through Voyager is reflective of the time it was written, but still resonates. And as we're recording this, it's vibrating the resonance. You know, this is people on the wrong side of a negotiated line uh, fighting against their settlers, you know, colonialists, whatever you want to call it. But basically, it is a reflection of the Israel-Palestine conflict. And here we are dealing with an episode that carves out this weird, not a weird, but carves out like the abstract political battle that's going on. The Cardassians have arrested O'Brien to embarrass the Federation into taking stronger action against their citizens or to justify their own escalation of violence mm-hmm. and I guess I'll just leave it this way. What did you think about the Maquis storyline? Well, it seemed like a red herring from the jump. Like, oh, he's uh, in terms it. of yeah. So, yeah. Oh, he's oh, there's he's smuggling weapons to the Maquis. I was like, well, yeah. oh, that sounds kind of not like that. That's probably not true. <laughs> right. And it was a red herring, as it turns out. But just in terms of the Maquis storyline that runs through Star Trek, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the the squeeze was worth the juice that we got from yeah. it. You know, I, I trying to think of the memorable episodes that came of it. And I think it was, you know, Michael Piller wanting to talk about a very important issue that was going on at the time and goes on to this day, but just to stick on the O'Brien part of it. So chief O'Brien, which we talked about in the emissary pilot, you know, one of the great characters we all like, everyone likes chief O'Brien, right? Call uh, one of the comments about this episode was like, he didn't really get that much to do in next generation. And this episode was like a really eye opening thing of like, wow, look at you had a thoroughbred in the stable this whole time and he never took him out. He could do a lot of other stuff. I was just thinking it made me think while watching this episode, we got a tweet uh, not long after Trek Mary kills launch from uh, a bartender at a strip club saying like, yeah, he came in, he'd come in every night <laughs> oh, during a shoot for some movie. <laughs> That was amazing. I couldn't find the tweet, but what I did find was on New Year's Eve in 2014, I tweeted, just saw Chief O'Brien loading champagne into the back of his car outside of Vaughn's. Holy crap, I love LA. I don't remember this at all, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, what a party. I sh- yeah, I should have followed him. I know. Call Meanie, though. There we go. Um, all those years, I, I think, I think the, stripper, the strip club thing was that he was polite and tipped well, right? Like, he was a good customer. I think that was the 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 point of the story i thought yes yeah. the point of the story I'm it, just yeah, it wasn't like, uh, wait, who was it that was revealed recently yeah. didn't tip didn't 
I forget. I'll, I'll have to look it up in my gossip. But okay, yeah, like some celebrities, <laughs> they're now they're mean. They don't tip. T- tip your local sex worker. Exactly. But but Chief O'Brien uh, on screen and off, uh, uh, just a guy, a, a good every everyday guy. <laughs> Yeah, the everyman. And obviously for Deep Space Nine history, he has the famous, he was more than that. He was a union man. You know, the the tagline for all these strikes, the Writers Guild strike. Uh, so good on Chief O'Brien. Good to have an episode centered around him. And obviously anything that's happening to him, you you care very much about. Uh, Goalie Vec uh, pops up in this one. He was in multiple episodes of Star Trek. When he popped up, I forgot he was in it. I was like, oh, he, you know, for me, I, he sticks in my mind that he's in the Voyager pilot. He's the face on the screen saying like, surrender. And this is Chakotay and all them. But he was in Next Gen. He was in Deep Space Nine. So a good little run here for Goalie Vec. It was funny because he's his voice is so intimidating. And then it was funny when he beamed aboard the runabout and Chief O'Brien stands up and call meetings much taller than him. I was like, that's kind of funny. Uh, and then two other notes, just the first AD for Deep Space Nine talked a little bit about what it was like to be the first AD for Avery Brooks when he was directing specifically about the first episode. Uh, and he said it was kind of hard because he was very closed. He wouldn't really share a lot of information. And then he kind of goes on and tells the story about how there was like a lot of struggles with this one in the early going. They finally like pulled each other aside or Avery Brooks took him aside. He's like, what's the problem? What do you need? And he's like, I need you to tell me what you want. We will all do better when you just explain what you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then uh, and he says, you're not the easiest person to talk to or approach. He just smiled and laughed, and then he proceeded to explain everything that he wanted into detail, and it worked out. And Avery Brooks directed several episodes of Deep Space Nine, so yeah, it wasn't like he was some big uh, pain in the butt there. And then the last note is Bill Dial, who wrote this episode, wrote the famous turkey drop episode of WKRP in Cincinnati. So Never seen an episode of that show, believe it or not. So that was one of those shows that were just on repeats, and it was one I would rather watch than like Mash. Yeah, I feel like if, if it were on in on syndication where I lived, it was probably on at a time that I just wasn't watching TV or I was watching something else. Yeah, so that's one as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> uh, so pretty famous punchline. Okay, so let's get into the great scenes. I warned Kristen we're not going to go through them all, but I just want to say I thought the. 10 of the first 11 scenes, in fact, the first nine <laughs> scenes in a row, were great. I liked all of them. I thought they had a good punchline to them or a beginning, middle, and end. Just watch the first nine or 10 scenes if you want. But uh, anything you want to point yeah, out? Yeah, so I think the get out of here, O'Brien, uh, whole, like, <laughs> you know, a guy going off on vacation, like, we got it, okay? Like when your parents leave for a date or something and you're like yep. 16, you're like, I got it, please leave so I can have my boyfriend come over and make out like <laughs> I got it. Please leave. This is the very first scene where he's like telling him all these little things. There was that little tinge of reality though. It's like I installed the new procedures for this one docking bay, but it's the only one we're doing it with right now. And I was like, that's so annoying that it's like very important to him, but that's definitely one of those things where you go on vacation. You're like, I have this one project mm-hmm. that everyone else is like, we got it. We got it. Yeah, it's like, don't please it. don't F it up. Yeah. And like your coworker was supposed to cover for you. Come back. It's all a mess. Luckily, yep. <laughs> I've had very good coworkers who have not done that to me, but like I've heard of people like they literally missed a deadline and it was just because they didn't want to like answer a yes or no or whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, what? Uh, let's see. I already mentioned right. the 
the questionable legality of uh, stopping someone in in disputed yeah, space. Yeah, and I think we can and like we're Federation citizens. We have rights. Like that was really cute. Like that is so cute. <laughs> Well, okay. So we didn't even mention like Keiko and o- Keiko and Chief O'Brien are going on a trip. They get the use of a runabout because he's that Sam's important. Child. Sam's important. child. So it's, it's a we sex just drop holiday. <laughs> Except Chief O'Brien's brought his technical journals, and then he, but he forgot the camera, so they can't even film it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have had some vacations about the child. Can you? Can you tell me on the pleasure scale, just that idea alone, like that, how much of a relief that feels like? It was so great. Like I just slept <laughs> and like nobody was like, I'm hungry. Please feed me. <laughs> it was great. And they did seem really relaxed. Keiko seemed uh, relaxed and, uh, and but O'Brien just. Yeah, the level of, of relaxation stuff. when your kid is not your responsibility for a moment like for an extended period is great i first experienced it when i went back to work after maternity leave and i was like oh this is fantastic (laughs) this is great uh the uh, intake scene slash i guess it's not really a torture scene and like not intended to be but it is is. (laughs) it is it's as much torture as you could put on syndicated television at that time i think and I would say it's a very intense scene. Like it's really, you know, great acting, but also great directing. And it's weird. It's not like super alien. It's just very. Yeah, so like uh, take off your clothes. Yeah. They strip it off. Yeah. And, like yeah. I think if you had um, seen any footage from like either the Korean War or from um, the Vietnam War of prisoners of war, it's pretty similar. And obviously there was chain of command on Next Generation earlier. So we've seen Picard handled by the Cardassians and tortured. So this is, you know, of a kind or of a piece with that in some way. I guess another thing I wanted to highlight was when Keiko, Keiko gets returned nicely back Mm -hmm. to the station unarmed. Which is like shocking that they're not like, well, she's an accessory to the crime, you know? (laughs) Yes. Because if it were were today, her ass is also in jail. Exactly right. I mean, the the fairness that happens despite the fascism is like a weird, yeah. uh, what is it, artifact of the 20th century? Mm-hmm. Like today, it would just like she would have been knocked out as he, after he was phasered. Like yeah, well, or you never heard you would never heard of her yeah. from again. Like yeah. just goodbye. So, but I love the scene where they're where she's meeting with them because she's like he's being tortured and like Cisco won't say it, but then Odo's like, yeah, he's definitely being tortured. Mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you're totally. He's like trying to assure her, but like, yeah, well, you're right. You're no, right to be okay. He's saying you're being. He's he's acknowledging her pain, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying yes, you're you're right. But then you know that scene starts off with the Enterprise has been yes. ordered to the border as a show of force. And um, I guess this episode aired was the first episode to air after the finale. So like the finale was at the end of May, all good things for next generation. So this is like a touch like, Hey, the enterprise is still out there doing adventures. And in my mind, 
if the Enterprise is on the Cardassian border because they hear Chief O'Brien is being held, mm-hmm. they're getting involved in this mission. Yeah. So I was a little annoyed, actually. Not mm-hmm. honored. <laughs> I was annoyed. <laughs> I'm like, you think Riker's sitting back and Worf and they're like, do you know how many times that guy's beamed our asses out of I some know. trouble? No, we're going to get him out of there. Maybe so- I think what works in the favor of the story is that it's such a quick turnaround that's like, well, let's see how this plays out maybe a little bit before... We do like a rescue yeah. mission or something. Yeah, I'm sure like Admiral Necheyev is like, you know, talking about the political side to it to Picard and Picard probably wants to do something. And he's like, I've married him and his wife and I know Chief well. And she's like, his favorite transporter room is transporter room three. And she goes, <laughs> <As we all laughs> <know. laughs> and she's like, no, you got to handle this situation delicately. Anyway, I had a funny production thing I wanted to okay. point out. So in the scene where Archon Mokbar, basically the judge, contacts the station and you know they're talking about uh he's you know going to be executed like that's how serious the charges are and our execution's already been scheduled odo reveals he's an officer of the cardassian court yeah it was granted to him by gold when he was gold ran the station we don't see gold in this episode probably not a bad choice but kind of also weird but anyway um th- i just want to point this out when odo has to like he walks He's at the top of the stairs and then he walks down the stairs to like get into the frame of the camera to look up at the view screen. You know, the camera adds 10 pounds and it also adds 10 feet. So it makes spaces that are small look bigger. Mm -hmm. If you notice in the blocking, when he walks down the stairs, Avery Brooks turns his body into the conference table in the middle and like pancakes himself up against it so that. Rene Bourgeois as Odo can walk past him mm-hmm. undeterred. Like it's a very weird blocking. And I just thought it was funny to point I out. really got a kick out of it when O'Brien finally meets his lawyer, his conservator. <laughs> and like this guy is they he's basically giving him like this Atticus Finch act of like you like this sage old, you know, like attorney who knows everything and it's all about the greater good. He's like, oh no, 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 you're gonna be guilty. But it's good. It's good for everybody. Don't worry about it. And it's just so funny to me because, like, it's not usual that we have, like, a TV lawyer who seems serious like that, but is just kind of a, like, also just an extension of the fascist state. Like, you expect, oh, this guy's going to get him off. Like, no, no, he's not. No, 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 no. And we we see later he's just like a he literally is like a puppet, a performer of the state to be like the what is it called? The the, the public defender, the public defender. But what, what the loyal opposition kind of oh, thing yeah. like that, that act. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the entire idea, you know, it states the purpose of what the Cardassian court system is, is to make f- people feel good that justice is being served and that there are few bad people and. In that, and they get purged from society. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough to watch. It's pretty sick. The uh, Kafka uh, vibes are intentional uh, in the in the background for the episode. They definitely wanted to to feel like you were watching your you know some sort of Russian story take place uh, on top of it. I love the scene where Odo arrives to counsel O'Brien. Yeah, I have that one too. Uh, and. An incredible scene where Odo, like Odo is so not 
yeah, different in this episode. He's so peaceful almost. He never gets really cranky or angry. He doesn't really raise his voice. You know, we're so used to seeing Odo get upset or annoyed. Yeah. And this one, he's like very aware that it's like, I have to be the calm one here because the Cardassians just piss everyone off. Um, I thought it was really good. It was a nice scene between the two of them. I don't think there's many scenes between Odo and O'Brien in the whole run of Deep Yeah, Space I don't Nine. think so. It's got to be like one of five or six. And it's and they're good. Yeah. The first day of O'Brien's trial, that's good. <laughs> Where <laughs> he starts it right off, Odo being like, I need to counsel with my guy. And the, they're like, this is on TV. That's not good for television. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. The second day of O'Brien's trial where Evek's on the stand saying he has reliable sources. That's the, all the data, all the information they need uh, to, to corroborate any of these charges. Uh, also, I love that on day two, it's already the longest trial in Cardassian Yeah, I'm going to talk about that more later. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and then the last great scene I have is when O'Brien is on the, sand, on the stand and he's trying to... Kovat, his, uh, you know, his sucker uh, attorney uh, is trying to get him to admit like he was abused by his his parents or by his wife. And um, and then we get into sort of a truth that actually makes sense here. And it's interesting that they didn't approach the character part of this earlier, where it's like, well, how many Cardassians did you kill in the war? And isn't it true that you don't that you don't like the Cardassians? And that's, that's like all real stuff that, you know, Star Trek fans know. But I thought that was a good scene overall. It was like a good way to bring the emotion kind of back into the story. Because the story is, as much as I highlighted all these scenes, I feel like the emotions kind of trickle away. Did I miss any great scenes? Well, at the end when um, Cisco shows up with the evil day player <laughs> and Mokbar like I mean- knows the jig is up. It's like, um, and it's like I thought he seems like a pretty good guy. Uh, innocent, not not guilty. Yeah. This this Cardassian who's been genetically altered to look like a human, specifically O'Brien's uh, old crew member friend, um, who's been a Cardassian spy for eight years. That guy was in the the uh, soap opera Passions. Hmm. Didn't watch Passions, so sorry. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. My Passions was, was considered. The very weird soap opera. So yes, it was not for yes. me. I tried watching it once, but there was like thought bubbles of above people's heads, and that was weird. Also, I'm, and also I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, exactly, and like a puppet that comes to life, and also I think an entire calendar year of episodes reflects like one or two days. Yeah, I think. So, no, I thought the they did a thing where like. It was a whole year show and then like actually never mind or something like that. <laughs> like like a Dallas when they were like, actually, we made some mistakes and it was all a dream. <laughs> Best Trek tropes. I haven't. I don't think I've named this one yet, but the day player that's up to no good in the cold open. So we got the guy who was genetically modified to look like his old uh, O'Brien's old army buddy. And then Ooh. we're shown right in the middle, like he's shifty eyed and he's recording O'Brien's voice, which comes in later. And I'm like, aha. And you could tell by the music cues, he's up to no mm-hmm. good, all in the cold mm-hmm. open. And that, I think we see a lot of that in Star Trek. I think we definitely see it in uh, the original. We've already seen it in the original, some of the original series episodes that we've done this season. But I like it. 
John Beck is that guy is the actor's name playing Boone. And like the moment you see him, you're like, what's up with this guy? Yeah. The moment you see him, you're like, what's this guy's story? (laughs) And his voice and the mustache and his eyes. (laughs) Some is some kind of guy. (laughs) So he's copied Chief O'Brien's voice to gain access to this to this area where the torpedoes are stored. And then they're going to put the torpedoes on the runabout that Chief O'Brien and Keiko O'Brien take off in. And that's what the Cardassians find when they arrest him. So he's all part of this larger plot. So, yeah. Okay, that's a good trope. Uh, the one I had was, I had two, or I have three. But uh, O'Brien giving his name and rank after he's captured. Um, good Starfleet protocol there. He's not mm-hmm. technically an officer. Always, People always forget that Chief O'Brien is not an officer. He's not a commissioned officer. But knowing the protocol of just giving his name, he doesn't give his rank. He just gives his name and um, and uh, and his position. No, name and serial number is what they normally give. He yeah. gave his name and rank. That's what it is. Um, I'm going to put in best Trek tropes just barely. Engineers being nerdy about engineering. I mean, <laughs> O'Brien bringing all the technical update manuals with him. And there are a lot of them. If you consider each pad is just one um, manual. He has a lot of pads with him, but this is like Scotty when he gets confined to quarters and trouble with tribbles. And he's like, I can catch up on my technical journals. <laughs> you know, O'Brien and Scotty, they're supposed to be, you know, on same lineage. So that's fun. I'm putting it barely here, though, because it's like Keiko O'Brien is an objectively attractive, beautiful woman. You're on this runabout alone with her. Finally. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. No children. Uh, no work. Yeah. Uh, and then I put under best trick trope because I, I think it's a good one. I think maybe uh, Odo giving it to Keiko straight where he's like, mm-hmm. yes, he's being tortured. Uh, and I just, I think coming from Odo, it made the most sense. Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I also put a trial and the rules are different. <laughs> um, and I also have, he washed out of Starfleet. Because we learned that Boone, based, like when Cisco and Bashir and everyone are investigating him, they come, they look at his record, and it turns out, oh, he he kind of washed out. He left his wife and kid or whatever, and it's kind of a spotty record. And as we've seen in other Star Trek shows, when you wash out of Starfleet, you're probably a bad guy. That's right. And the good Starfleet officers will absolutely mop the floor with you mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah, you're, you don't got too much going on upstairs, usually. That's right. That's a great So one. the courtroom set is like shadowy with grates above the light, above everyone. So there's shadows cast on everyone. So you know that they're the bad guys, just like a Klingon ship. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's not on the up and up because who would light a they real also- courtroom that way? Also, the gallery uh, for the audience in the courtroom is intentionally it's in the script. Um, I, I have all the scripts. I bought them uh, off eBay. But uh, that <laughs> how, how it's much a gallery set you back? 40 bucks. Oh, OK, um, OK, OK. The, it's a gallery of children intentionally. Mm-hmm. So like children watching. At first, I thought it was the judge's children. Like she brought them to work, which also would have been cool. But instead, it's like, no, they're indoctrinating these kids mm-hmm. young and, and all that stuff. Um, my last one is epithets. Um, we all know that O'Brien calls them Cardies. And I feel like yes. that's a pretty good one. It's a good in one. the list yep. of the fake epithets that we see 
in Star Trek because we know that as a human race, we're really good at coming up with insults for people we think are other than ourselves, you know? So um, that one seems more realistic than some of like the Mahdi or the, yeah. What was the one that we didn't like that much? No, I mean, Mahdi. I mean, I no, like Mahdi. There's one yeah, that was worse than the, Augment. that. Augment. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't I don't see little kids throwing that one out. No. Augment. But like the the way Calm Meanie says it, the Cardies. Yeah. The bloody Cardies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's really hard. You can feel the hatred in there. Okay. Then I, you know, you saying all that reminded me of one thing, just to go back to the runabout. I didn't know this until years later, but everyone hated that set. <laughs> it's so cramped to shoot in, and you can see that when they're being arrested, how cramped she literally like has to stand. Pe- it's like there's 10 people on that. Yeah, but it's still a cramped set, and then it's like when they're kissing, and she goes, does the seat recline? And he starts laughing and saying no. I think that's like a meta commentary of like, no, because this set sucks. Yeah. Like, nothing's nothing's comfortable at all is awkward so i i just put it as a check trope it's very rare that they break the fourth wall or that there's like a standing set that gets used a lot because runabouts did that people didn't like i can't remember that in star trek history like you don't hear a lot of people saying like yeah the bridge of the enterprise sucked like you yeah. never hear no. <laughs> or like the engineering set was annoying or whatever but the runabout one they're like what the hell is this uh worst trek tropes um, I put this one down for you. So when they're in the runabout in the beginning, O'Brien p- plays some classical music. Was that a fake classical composer that he mentioned? Like, I'm not sure, but I, I flagged it as like... Because the music what? sounded a little weird. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, so his Asian wife only likes like Japanese music yeah. or something. <laughs> that was what I thought was a little weird, but also like, have you ever played music to get out of a tense situation with this, with an SO? Does that work? Mm. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know what'll, what'll change this topic, getting us in the mood here. So why are the O'Briens getting their own runabout was my worst treasure. <laughs> yeah. We've already like, it's already been established on this show that, there are few and far between like they're precious commodities and they get to have one and the journey takes days or whatever. Yeah. And we just saw like, we just did an episode where they had to evacuate the station and those runabouts were packed. Yeah. So (laughs) to the point where people were selling their seats. Also, there was, there's been multiple episodes this season where the runabout goes somewhere and then they have to send another runabout to resolve the issue. So it's like they're doing that here too. And it's like, what's going on? I think it's like, like, Odo and like look, the only way we can get rid of them for a week <laughs> is if we give them their own ship. Also, it's just like for budgetary reasons, like you could make it more elaborate where it like starts instead of him saying goodbye. You know, that starts with Keiko and, and Miles on like a shuttle with other people, a transport, and that gets stopped. But that's too expensive. So it makes sense that they did it this way. But uh, maybe that should go under best Trek trope of clunky budget savers. Um, any other worst Trek tropes? Okay, I put the body switch storyline at the ending. Um, although not necessarily a trope, but the actually this isn't his old army buddy. It's a Cardassian that got surgery to make him look like him that is so weird to put in <laughs> at the very end and it's not really needed you could just be like oh yeah he turned bad or whatever 
Yeah, I mean, I think they needed that background of like eight years ago. He started to change and all that stuff. But yeah, maybe the, it's it works one in the same. Remember, he's like uh, part of the Maquis or could conceivably be right. So maybe they didn't want to like hit the idea of like the humans are actually bad here and they need to keep it on the side of like the Cardassians are up to something and they're trying to foment this conflict you know that will compel well, the federation i mean i think they just do... said oh well he just did it for the money i mean people do bad stuff for the money all the time i i don't disagree i think drug we habit. Probably... he's got a drug and hooker habit or something i don't know yeah i mean and the, the thing motivation is, is like doesn't have to be serious like I, I, ideology i, I agree i agree i'm i think the bigger trope which is not necessarily a trek trope because they don't do this all the time but like it's a court trope where like the surprise witness or the surprise evidence barges into the courtroom at the very end right yeah to, to, to spring to spring the guy yeah, on that's the just like a tv trope accused. in general yeah it's a tv trope and a court trope most of its time quality i mean we already talked about this the monkey storyline very much and i again what i was saying before about our carceral system our justice system like i think that's all it reflects the time it was written and it still resonates yeah, to today, I, which I, I thought was a little weird. So <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Let me just say. So I put down that the Cardassians having a televised trial that everyone is watching. So this episode aired June 6, 1994. Um, right? Yeah, that's okay. before the OJ trial. Yeah, starts, that's right? six days before OJ Simpson murdered Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman, by the way. But the big trial that everyone had been gripped to the year before was the Menendez brothers murder trial, mm. which was in 1993. And there's even kind of a reference to it when the conservator asks O'Brien if he was abused as a child. Mm-hmm. To turn him into this horrible criminal who smuggles arms and what have you. And... I also think the line of this is already the longest trial in Cardassian history because that trial went on for fricking ever. And we didn't even know as a, as a nation what we were in for. So I found it very interesting. And I think that's part of most of its time because you had court TV back then and trials were just all the rage watching trials on TV, even though I've been on jury duty I literally was falling asleep. <laughs> I, I could not keep my eyes open very well um, <laughs> during testimony. Like it is so boring. There's I, I watching on TV would it be even worse? I think so. I have no desire to watch a trial on television. Never have. Um, so yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't think I ever will. I mean, show me the highlights or whatever. There's some weird testimony or whatever. But I don't need to watch the whole thing. Yeah, I can't imagine staying awake during testimony. It's going to be tough yeah. if that ever happens. I was also very pregnant, so I feel like that was part of oh. it. I was just tired in general. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here, this far, no further. So uh, <laughs> just got to get the whole line out sometimes. <laughs> How can you schedule an execution before the trial even begins? We believe in swift justice. And then the screen snaps off. Yeah. I thought that was a good moment. Um, I have uh, O'Brien you... saying, have you ever won a case? And then the <laughs> saying, winning isn't everything. <laughs> I, I loved it. 
That was, yeah, I had that too. Uh, Odo's line to Chief O'Brien, being accused of a crime is not a disgrace, Chief. Some of the great figures of history have shared the honor with you. I think that is a concept that has been completely lost Mm -hmm. to um, charlatans and crooks who are using a media platform yeah. to either I, proclaim their intimate sense or just flood the zone with shit. There are people who would watch this today and go, just like Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Our good guy getting accused of all these crimes. He definitely didn't do. An amazing line of when O'Brien's on the stand. My wife is the most wonderful supportive person I've ever known. Oh, amazing. Amazing husband line. Well done. Chief O'Brien. <laughs> When yeah. you have an opportunity to compliment or praise or, you know, indicate the support of your wife, you got to do it. And him doing it indignantly, I had to put it in there. Also, please don't ruin this for me. I'm one year away from retirement. <laughs> also from the conservator, just, yeah, he he's just, what would you just call Just a colorful yeah, buffoon. Yeah, he's just, just a, buffoon. a colorful buffoon who is made to seem kind of serious. It's an interesting character. Well, you expect him to be serious because he's Cardassian. And like, but like everyone the way, the else... way he speaks, you're like, Oh, like, like yes, almost like a exactly. Benjamin Franklin character of like, yes, a grandfatherly yes. Benjamin Franklin, Atticus Finch character who thinks That's what right. he's doing. He believes in what he's doing. Power just and authority. To be wrong. Yes, power and authority in his voice. And then when when he speaks, the words are, you have no hope here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. The children Uh, are watching and uh, I'm inspired. And that's my last great line then is when he goes, what just happened after O'Brien's acquitted? And Odo says, you won. And he goes, they'll kill me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. Paul Meany as Chief O'Brien. Yeah, I feel like the tor- <laughs> no, you don't no, agree? no, no. I feel like the torture scene is especially serious. Paul Meany's got some moves, and he has uh, he has he has things he can do. I thought it was, he had a nice performance here. Mm-hmm. The Shatner, though, I'm gonna give it to <laughs> the lady who plays Macbar. She is really going for it. I put it's the like whole she, guest cast, really, <laughs> Like, it's like someone saw her playing Medusa in a community theater and was like, this is perfect. Oh for our, for, yeah, because she almost like hisses when she talks. Well, that is the concept behind the Cardassians, you know, that they'd look like... Um, Oh, they, a med- they, they okay. do look like snakes. Okay. Um, they like they're they're ready to strike like a I think a python. I can't remember. There's this very well, specific snake kind of that they are modeled like after. The, I think the necks are more like cobras. A cobra. That's what it is. They, so they're even with the neck and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the neck uh, bones. It's all designed like a like a cobra. So that is there. She really, really fucking goes for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> But I mean, the guy who plays Kovat, he he also is like, oh, yes. <laughs> like every one of his lines, he's like Santa Claus. <laughs> Sorry, for, he's the Santa Claus of fascism. He just goes. In. Uh, but I also thought that the guy who played Boone was really going for it, too, because he was like yeah. underplaying it, but being underhanded. And that, you know, it's the mustache that's really going for it. Yeah, it's Yeah. Can I? Po- I have a little factoid about about him. Oh, I thought so, about the mustache. Okay, go ahead. Well, 
well, about the guy with the mustache, John Beck. At one point, according to Memory Alpha, he had a fan site, and the name of the fan site was Nothing But John. <laughs> I just thought that was okay. Thought that was nice. But Fritz Weaver, who plays Kovat, is a Tony Award-winning actor, and so I just want to also mention that his IMDb is ridiculously long. Just a long television career, Broadway, all that stuff. And uh, he died the same year of his sister, several months after his sister. And, you know, I think maybe maybe he just died of a broken heart as well. Although he died at 90, so maybe not. But yeah, um, that, sad, that story went from very sad to just like, oh, that's no, just when people actuarial. die. Actuarial, yeah. yeah okay. That's just when people die. Uh, I don't have any actu- any info on the, on the Archon, but uh, yeah, I like where we left it there. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to know anymore. I think this is perfect. Yeah. What part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? I mean, the Cardassian legal system. Yeah, I, I put Cardassian jurisprudence because that line was used several times, I feel. Do you think they're teaching never talk to the police at Starfleet Academy? No, because they are the police, Brian. See, so that's the question. Like, are they really the police? This is oh, this is naive Brian being like, they really? Have, well, don't they, they, they have like a police force, don't they? They have Starfleet like a security. security. Yeah. So that's Starfleet no, intelligence. Yeah. So they're the cops. Yeah. But it's uh, the future idealized version of the cops where you can talk to them. But they should be so teaching don't, cap- don't talk to the Cardassian Card- cops. Don't talk to the Cardassians, baby. Period. <laughs> just the line. Yeah. <laughs> ACAB means all Cardassians. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think they're they're saying obviously you should cooperate with a Starfleet security investigation. Yes. I mean, because listen, if you don't believe us, Chief O'Brien says to his wife, listen, we didn't do anything wrong. We have no reason to be concerned. So let's just <laughs> answer their questions. And what happens? He's like scheduled for an execution. Yeah. So, you know, it can get, go sideways very quickly. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like those people that like, oops, I walked over the border in Iran, and now yes. I'm I'm being held captive here. Somebody help me! I'm like, how did you accidentally do that? Yeah, I thought it was be fun to go for a hike. I actually made a joke. Okay, so I want to go to Dubai on like vacation, and you could drive from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. It's like ninety minutes. And I was like, I don't know though. What if I accidentally end up in Saudi Arabia? Like, I take a wrong turn. Like, then I'm really in trouble. And can you do that? I mean, I guess technically, yeah. It's just like a little ways away. Well, you know how like sometimes there's like you could miss the turn. Like sometimes I mean, I there's that like that... the roads, but I think like okay. if you were like I'm going off roading, like you probably could. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> like, probably good. yeah. Although exactly. um, if you ever hear me saying I'm going to go off roading, like I'm probably very unwell, and you should check on me. <laughs> That is, uh, you've been replaced by a Cardassian in that Yeah. Particularly mm-hmm. altered. I've been kidnapped. And this is You're like, you I know. can't wait to, can't wait to sit for jury duty. And then when that's over, off-road. <laughs> like, that's not Kristen. <laughs> yeah. Could this episode have been hornier and would that have made it better? No, please no. I mean, they could have started with them on their vacation and in bed together. And like oh. afterwards, like they're basking in afterglow, although that would be I don't want to see a uh, red faced, uh, breathing heavy Chief O'Brien, to be honest. I don't either. That's why I said no. I'm Chief turning O'Brien, into yeah. Gen Z on this. No. 
<laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Their marital sex does not have advanced the plot. That's true. Yeah, no, this episode could not have been horny. Um, Trek, marry, or kill tribunal. Um, I'm going to give it a Trek. Like a, a good Trek. Yeah, I was like, this feels like it should be a Mary. I mean, I really legitimately said like half the episode has great scenes, but I think ultimately there's like an emotional punch that's missing to it. And all the Scooby-Doo stuff on the station where they're trying to figure out what Chief O'Brien could be accused of. Yeah. Like, I think it's a good um, intellectual writing exercise of like, we don't know what the charges are. So our Starfleet officers are going to figure out what it is. But at the same time, it's like, what? He just recorded his voice and then used it. Seems like Starfleet would have stronger safety precautions than he used a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like splice the sound yeah, together. On the tape recorder. I mean, I think like Some, if it were a multi-part episode, then I think you could have gotten into more of that. And like the ending would have been a little more, more like <gasps> surprise witness. But I think it wasn't. It was just, I think this was like a like a kind of like where Voyager goes, where it's just it's very plotty. But like, it seems like you could have made it where Chief O'Brien himself is on trial because of his racism. And like that could have been brought in more. And I don't know why they didn't do that. Or maybe they just thought we, that's not the point. We just need to crank this episode out. So at, but I think that's what was originally I, what I thought was going to happen was that they were going to be like, oh, you're arrested for your crimes against the Cardassian people during the war and mm-hmm. then be like a war criminal thing. But of course yeah. that's not going to happen because when Starfleet does it, it's not a war crime, right? <laughs> so. Well, I mean, we don't really ever get the sense that he was, that he committed a war crime. I see what no, you're saying. Like, it doesn't like, matter. The yeah, even that. if, yes, if, yeah, even yeah. if it were like a trumped up charge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the idea that they bring up when he's on the stand of, well, you, your public statements against Cardassians, you know, on top of what you did in the war, like it makes perfect sense. You would conspire to do something against <laughs> to civilians. become an illegal arms dealer. Yes, That's, exactly. I mean, well, I mean like point, it's, it's all like, stupid. Like, I don't care for those Cardassians that I was in war against to I'm dealing arms to their an up uh, for an uprising or whatever for a resistance you know that's quite a leap i think there's just sometimes we get the idea of when there's court episodes and it's about an innocent person and it's just about their innocence i mean was this episode trying to say something i guess at the end of the day is the answer and the answer is not really but kind of and i think because it's not firmly saying something it it just happens to be a really well executed episode that's why i couldn't push push the idea of marrying it so i think we landed on the right right spot there but how, i mean as an aside how did you feel about the um shadowy marquee that shows him goes it wasn't us and then just leaves. and <laughs> right. then she was like uh, oh okay I, <laughs> yeah i had some questions about that an interesting thought experiment with that is is that like his first interaction with like section 31 actually because chief o'brien or sorry dr bashir becomes such a important part of section 31's plans later in the series you know section 31 could have been helping the maquis in some way or making sure that the federation got back on the right track made it clear what i think about it i mean that seems like a pretty standard there are a lot of old tv tropes in this one right that was one of those you got like a deep throat figure Mm -hmm. coming to 
coming to our doctor character, like one of the most harmless characters to like get this information, but like Chief O'Brien's friend. So like get that information in there. Yeah, these guys are very um, bright and things got out of hand. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh God. I wish they could do uh, an all the president's oh. men uh, for Star Trek. That would be interesting. That's a good, that's a great point. Um, yeah. But I mean, no, no, uh, no cork in this episode. I and know. No du- Ducat. Um, I thought that Kira's moments in this episode were really nice. Like when she's just like, hey, what if Chief O'Brien, he does hate the Cardassian. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I and think also just, that Kira would have been like, and like, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. like she's gonna be like, how dare you? I like them using the history of the station that it makes sense. Like Odo would have been given like a, a being a participant in the court system since he was handling security on the station. I think that maybe Odo would have figured out the, like the idea that actually O'Brien didn't go into the, where the phaser torpedoes were or whatever, like way earlier than the rest of the crew. But since he was on, he was, yes. Since he was elsewhere, they did have to Scooby do it. Yeah. And I thought, and so, yeah, I think it's good. Um, Next week, Star Trek enterprise, will uh, put Captain Archer in front of a Klingon court and say that, ha, we did it before Star Trek six. Um, <laughs> Technically uh, it's called, it's called judgment. And uh, I, I remember watching it going, how dare they? And now I'm trying to remember if I liked it, but we'll find out when we play Trek, Mary kill with it. Uh, don't forget to vote on our poll for deep space nines. Take me out to the hollow suite. Very important. I'm going to run that poll through the end of the calendar year. Oh my God. No, no. Which is coming up. No. So give it like two more weeks. The end of the year is nigh. When, when do you think this episode is coming out? November like 14th. Okay. They got one week. (laughs) Say they got one week from today. This is ridiculous. Every time, every time we have a tie, we have to do a years long poll about it. We don't have any votes, do we? That's why, huh? We have few votes. And so I don't want to be the tiebreaker. I think right now Trek is in the lead. So. Well, then you can stop it right now, Brian, and get the result that you want. Have, I could. I, I could have done that. Have we, you I ever considered said- stuffing the, the ballot box, Brian? <laughs> have you ever considered a little voter fraud? <laughs> a little gerrymandering here or there? I shall Your, your lack of imagination sometimes. <laughs> I know. It stuns me even. <laughs> check out trekmarykillpod.com uh, to see all of our standings we have started doing the animated episodes Lori Ulster and I uh, did the first two episodes of Star Trek the animated series that you can listen to that was a lot of fun I can't believe how entertained I am by a 50 year old would you say cartoon, but I was you think if I showed my son those he would like it because he keeps asking questions about Star Trek and I'm not sure what the entry point should be for him Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question because Prodigy is designed for his age. No, it's old, and, for much older, actually. Uh, and then the animated series was really made for, you know, Star Trek fans at the time. But I there's nothing. Uh, yeah. Put on the first one. See what he what he does. Right. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I was thinking like get, getting like a very colorful. Um, original series episode where they're shooting each other and falling down a lot. Uh, maybe even. um the one we did where they're on the planet with the dumb broads. 
The name of it escapes me now. Spock's brain. Spock's brain. Yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> you could also do the Corbomite maneuver, which has like a glowing, which has two glowing objects, one a glowing square and then a, a, a glowing orb. So okay. there's a lot of red alerts. Those are two options. All right. Thanks for listening. And until next week, TMK out. Bye.